Welcome to Belfast City Vineyard, where we are pursuing formation in the presence of Jesus, community gathered around Him, and the impact He empowers us to bring in our families, city, and the world. The following message was given at one of our Sunday services. For more information, visit our website at BelfastCityVineyard.com. Good morning, Belfast City Vineyard. Can you believe 2022 is upon us? Happy New Year. It is lovely that we can be together online this morning. We're in a series called Home. And it's been a really significant couple of months for us as we've journeyed together. So many of us have been so challenged already. As a team, we've loved the stories that have come back to us. And we would so love to hear more. So do drop us an email or schedule a wee chat with us. We would love to hear more of what God is doing in your life in this season. And as we head into this new year, the word I have for our community is growth. And what I mean is actually not what pastors often mean when they talk about growth. I'm not so much thinking about numerical growth of the church. The growth that I am picturing is deep transformation. I sense an invitation for us into deep transformation. On one of the door frames in our house, we have tracked with pencil marks the growth of our kids year upon year. When we look at it now, there's certain years where they've just really shot up in height, as kids do. And those years that they sprouted up like that, I remember it was hard to keep them in clothes that actually fitted them. Just like our kids grow really fast so time, so sometimes and their clothes don't fit them, my prayer for us, metaphorically speaking, is that we would outgrow our clothes and require new ones this year. Because Jesus is inviting us to grow in our thinking, in our character, in our emotional maturity, in our relationships, and so much more. Home is where we grow. If any of you have missed the big announcement, we're not just preaching about home, we've also just got a new church home, and we're super excited to get into it in the coming months and to grow together. While we may not mark on the door frame with pencil marks the growth like I've done with the kids in my house, our prayer is that that will be a place where we grow together, a place of deep transformation, the kind of transformation that only comes from encountering and worshiping Jesus. As I have been praying about the year ahead for us, I have sensed the Lord speaking to me, from a passage in John chapter 9. So let's read that together now. John 9, 1 to 12. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. 
As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who'd formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. We see here that the disciples have a very black and white point of view. It's either this or it's that. Either this man sinned or his parents did. It's what they had been taught. It was what others around them believed to be true. It was in the water, so to speak, in the culture, in their religious teachings. It's so easy to judge their response as narrow-minded and lacking imagination, lacking compassion even perhaps, But I've been really challenged by this passage about how I see the world, my own limitations in seeing things God's way. As I have reflected on the story, I sense the Spirit whispering to me, I'm inviting you to see things differently. What if you saw things from my point of view? This has been the invitation to me, and I don't think it's just for me, I think it's for our community. We see that Jesus comes at their question from a very different angle. He responds to them by saying neither of these things are true. His blindness is not the result of his sin or his parents' sin. Just like that, Jesus pulls the rug right from under the disciples. They probably thought they were really clever with their question and that Jesus would say to them, Oh yeah, good question, lads. But Jesus sidesteps all the landmines in their question and simply offers a third way. Creatively and compassionately, he offers a different way of thinking. Jesus says, This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. He could have said, well, actually, both of the parent, both the parents and the man himself sinned. He could have gone into some theological debate. But Jesus does not humiliate this man nor shame his parents. It's not about whose fault this is. It isn't a blame game. It's about something more, the work of God. It's about healing. It's about creatively engaging with what was in front of them, who was in front of them. It's about seeing what God is doing. It's about seeing the opportunity as well as the problem, the blessing rather than just the curse. The disciples see what is broken. Jesus sees an opportunity to turn brokenness into beauty. Is that how we approach our problems? It's rarely how I approach mine. I found myself in a situation recently with some health issues 
And I'll tell you this, I was not thinking, this is an opportunity for God's work to be displayed in my life. I had a lot of other thoughts, however, thoughts of entitlement to medical care, for instance, frustration with the health service. It was their fault because if only they had taken better care, it wouldn't have happened, for instance. Or I had anxious thoughts. What if this is my fault for not being seen early enough, for not taking enough initiative? What if this doesn't get resolved? Where will this end up? From the outside looking in, it is so easy to judge the disciples. But the truth is, we are just as shaped by our culture as they are. They were. We are just as formed by the narratives of the world around us as they would have been. And as a result, we are just as limited in seeing what God is actually doing. We struggle to see. We struggle to discern. We even struggle to ask the right questions sometimes. But every day is a school day with Jesus and the disciples. And so Jesus doesn't just talk about what's happening. He doesn't just prophesy over this man's life. He goes on to demonstrate it right then and there. Jesus heals the blind man very creatively, compassionately. The work of God is displayed right there for everyone to see. And you would think that this would be really good news. You'd think the place would erupt in praise, but that's not actually what happens. Of course, the man who was healed was thrilled, but there are others who clearly are not as happy as he was. The problem being, Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And this does not go down well with the religious leaders. A whole chain of events ensues, which involves the blind man being brought in for questioning, his parents are brought in, his parents are worried about their reputation and standing in the community so they don't really stick up for their son either. And at the end of the day, the blind man is actually thrown out of the synagogue by the Pharisees. The Pharisees were more interested in being right than they were in this man's healing. Unfortunately, it seems that they were also more interested in their own work being on display than the work of God being on display. We too, and I know that I definitely can be more interested in being right, being in control, having our own way, than in God's work in our lives. We can be more interested in preserving the status quo And we can be absolutely terrified of the upheaval that comes with change. It seems to me that there was far more healing that could have happened. All of that drama that ensued that you can read later on in that passage with his faith community, his parents, his neighbors, was this also the work of God? Could it be that all these unpleasant knock-on effects of his healing were further opportunities for change and for healing for the whole community? I definitely think so. But it seems like to many people around this man, the healing was one giant inconvenience. It upset their apple carts. It was messy. And I wonder if any of them wished the healing hadn't actually happened at all. Maybe it would have been easier, less messy, if things had just stayed as they were. Or if Jesus had kindly selected a more socially acceptable time to heal this man rather than on the Sabbath. None of us like mess. 
and upheaval. So again, I think I, for one, need to be careful not to judge. I can remember a time in my life when I was sharing a house with someone, and this person drove me absolutely insane. This person is not Andy, by the way. And what I really wanted was for this person to either leave this house or change. But what ended up happening is that I had to change. I had to address some of my own issues of control and wanting to be right all the time. As an aside, one of the things that Jesus used to bring me healing was Gospel of Wholeness, a discipleship tool, which I'm going to talk more about next week. I needed to change my thinking, and then I needed to change my behavior and grow up a bit and deal with some of my own junk. I wanted the other person to grow, but I couldn't make that happen. What I could do was to begin my own journey of healing. As one of my wise friends sometimes says, often we want to control others, but the real control that we need is self-control. In this passage, we see everyone but Jesus and the blind man tripping over their own pride. The disciples do, the Pharisees, the blind man's family, and in my story, I have tripped over my own pride more times than I would like to confess. If we want to see growth, if we want to see deep transformation, it begins in humility. Humbly accepting that He is God and that we are not. Humbly accepting that we are limited in our understanding, in our ability to see, that we don't have everything right, that our thinking needs to change sometimes and come into alignment with what God is doing, His work in the world rather than our own. Pride gets in the way of healing and transformation, but humility, now that's material that Jesus can and will work with. We need to position ourselves like the blind man, in need of healing, fully aware that we cannot heal ourselves, we cannot fix ourselves. We can learn so much from how desperate this man was to be healed, how eager he was to do as Jesus said. He was okay with mud and someone else's saliva being rubbed in his eyes. And he did exactly as Jesus told him to do. He went to wash just as Jesus instructed. So often we want transformation on our own terms. But this man models so beautifully that humble obedience is the way. And we need to respond to the words of Jesus. I think so many times my own thinking gets in the way of hearing what Jesus is actually trying to say to me. I noticed the other day, earlier this week, as I was attempting to pray, just how much talking I was doing and how little I was listening. Jesus is speaking to me, to you, to us as a community. Maybe you feel like you're waiting to hear Jesus while you're in great company. The blind man waited for Jesus, and he was ready for him when Jesus showed up. The disciples, they were also eager to hear Jesus. They left everything to follow him. And yeah, they did lots of dumb stuff, but they went where Jesus went. We can learn so, so much from their obedience. But we also observe in this passage those who are deeply resistant and afraid of change. And Jesus, in his compassion, 
in his kindness, invites all of us, those of us waiting, those of us following, those of us who are desperately afraid, he invites all of us to grow and mature in our thinking, our character, and our relationships with others. He invites us into emotional maturity in him. Pete Scazzaro, who wrote Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, says, it's not possible to be spiritually mature and remain emotionally immature. Pete's material is tremendous and I can't recommend it enough. I was particularly struck by this diagram when it popped up in my social media feed a couple of weeks ago. You'll see in the top section he illustrates the traditional approach to church going. You meet Jesus, you attend church, then you do some really good things, and then there's an impact in the world. Now, Pete does not rubbish those things. If you read his books, he is very careful to honor all of those things as good things. He simply invites us into a different way of thinking. Instead of doing things for God, he casts vision for deep transformation, ultimately resulting in an even greater impact in the world. Where you see that line there over deep transformation in the second part of the diagram, that's the tip of the iceberg. That's what most of us allow others in church to see because we're usually on our best behavior in church, right? But deep transformation involves allowing Jesus and his community into what is under the surface. I wish at this point we could have a two-way conversation. I'd love to ask you, what do you think about that? What do you think about that diagram? I'd love to hear your answer. I know as I have thought about this diagram, initially I thought, yes, that's it. I love this. And then, as I thought about it a bit more, I realized, if I'm honest, I like the idea of change. But the reality of it is really hard. And maybe you can relate to that. It's great as a diagram and as a concept, but in practice, how on earth will I ever get there? One of the words that keeps coming up for me, just popping up in conversations, in TV programs, in podcasts, in a prophetic word that was given to me, is the word curiosity. That word is often associated with small kittens or young children. It's playful, it's innocent. But what if we kindled that curiosity? Jesus does say that we might need to become like children. What might growth look like for you and for me, for our community? It's time to get those creative juices going. It's time to imagine what it would look like if we experienced deep transformation. What if you asked some what-if questions What if you could become more confident in your identity in Jesus? What if you didn't feel, for instance, angry all the time? What if you could develop deeper friendships? Whatever it is that we repeatedly trip over and has held us back for years, Jesus is calling us to think differently and to look for the work of God in our lives. What if it's not also just about you and what Jesus can do for you? What if there were many others whose weight could be lifted, whose hearts could be mended, all because you and I humbled ourselves, all because we were open and willing to grow, courageous enough to go for deep transformation, brave enough to step out of the shallow end of the pool and dive into the deep end? 
What if we yielded to God's work in our lives in spite of our anxiety, in spite of our pride, in spite of any of the stuff that gets in the way or has gotten in the way for years? I used to think very naively that maybe by like age 40 or something, you'd be a Christian for a long time and maybe you could be really mature. Maybe you could get to a point where your character would actually be pretty good and you could kind of take your foot off the gas when it comes to the whole growth thing. Oh, how wrong I was. I'm now 44 and I have not found this to be true. No matter what age we are, no matter how long we have been following Jesus, there is always more, more maturity, more growth, more deep transformation. So for all of us, whether we are new to following Jesus or we've been following him for decades, the question is, where do you, where do I need to see things differently? Where is it that Jesus is inviting me and you into growth, into deep transformation? I wonder what God might be wanting to do in us, Belfast City Vineyard, in these very strange days that we find ourselves in. Here we all are trying to figure out what is happening in this pandemic. Like the disciples, we wonder, is it this Is it that? Will it be this? Will it be that? And yet Jesus invites us to see things from a different point of view. To look for what God is doing in our lives, in our church, in our city, in the world. And if you are watching this today and you haven't yet given your yes to Jesus, if you are sitting on the fence and you haven't decided whether you want to follow him, maybe this is where your journey of growth begins, giving him your yes, choosing even today to follow him. Let's pray together. Jesus, Would you help us to see? We're so blind sometimes. Would you help us to see? Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you that you work creatively in all of our lives. I pray that you would increase our curiosity for what you might do even in the midst of this pandemic even in the face of unsolvable problems, even in spite of our brokenness, even though we might be desperately afraid. Help us to yield to you, to welcome your transformation right now and in the year and years ahead. We invite you to come and do your work in us and to do exceedingly more than we could ever imagine and ever ask for. Thank you that you see things differently, that you see the things that we don't see. Give us your eyes and help us to see. Amen. If you've decided to give your yes to Jesus, we would love, absolutely love to meet you. 
I also had a sense that some of us just already feel like we've been completely left behind in this pandemic. We've been left behind by church. We're on the margins. And I just want to say to you, if you feel like you're on the margins, Jesus sees you. And we would love to connect with you if that is how you feel. Last thing I sense was some of you maybe have experienced some rejection and judgment for following Jesus, maybe in your family or in your workplace. And I just want to encourage you from this passage that Jesus sees you and is with you. He will empower you and he is so proud of you for your faithfulness to him, even in the midst of people who cannot see what is do- what God is doing. So... It was great to share this morning with you, Belfast City Vineyard guests and visitors. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really loved being together online, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information about what's happening in the life of our church, or if you have any questions or comments, head over to BelfastCityVineyard.com.